0: Welcome back for another episode of Clean Tech Talk, where we at Cleantechnica interview clean tech leaders from around the world. With topics ranging from electric cars to climate change communication, you can listen to our full podcast series by visiting our website at cleantechnica.com.
1: All right, welcome back to another episode of Clean Tech Talk. I'm your host, Joe Boris, and I'm here today with KJ Gimbal. KJ is the CEO, one of the co-founders of Accelerate Auto. They're a company best known for extended warranties for electric vehicles and a first in the industry EV battery warranty. But today, KJ and I are going to talk about something else. KJ, before you started Accelerate Auto, you were a Tesla partner and you have a lot of experience in in finance and in that industry and the topic today is can electric vehicles topple internal combustion in the public sector can you give us a little bit of an intro about who you are and you know not to put too fine a point on it but why I am here talking to you about this today <laughs>
0: <laughs> sure yeah happy to so yeah so we really i i mean kind of a relic i would say in the in the EV space 2012 least Tesla's first vehicle ever That was a, just by happenstance, I had a friend that had a doctor, client of his that was looking at a Model S. He was one of the first first deliveries in Texas of Model S and we wanted to put it under his practice name and didn't have any way to go at that point Tesla didn't have any lender support whatsoever uh, let alone a commercial program so they reached out to me and my background is in commercial finance so we put together a a track lease for that car and and after after that car delivered we had Call from Tesla saying, "Hey, can you do more of these? We have states that are unsupported and need help, and we have customers that that want this." And and so we kind of branched out and and took a uh, you know rolled the dice, took the risk, and and along with a couple other finance partners, started leasing the very first Teslas ever for Tesla, and that kind of spurred the mission to go completely uh, EV. We uh, in twenty fourteen when we formed Accelerate we had about 1800 ice cars in our fleet. We sent out an email stating that we were not uh, going to be in the ice game anymore. And we were making a change to EV. And so as you can imagine, 2014, with the exception of the, the scattered uh, Teslas that we were doing was crickets. And uh, so that kind of uh, that, that kind of changed as Tesla started uh, gaining traction and, and opening up new factories and bringing out new models and eventually reaching the mass market demand that it's at now. Uh, we started kind of growing along with Tesla. I always tell people that we're, we're kind of like a pilot fish swimming next to a shark. So that's really uh, how, how we see it. We have a symbiotic relationship. We're all out here for the same goal, uh, not just with Tesla, but all EVs. But you know, since then we we came out with products like uh, like X Care, which are there to support the EV community. For anybody that has a battery electric vehicle that's wanting to have that vehicle covered outside the manufacturer's coverage, that uh, you know is is in this direct to consumer service world, is it's a challenge and uh, to do that. And we kind of focused and spent a lot of time on that product to ensure that it's. It not only works with the direct-to-consumer service model, but also with the franchise dealer model for uh, all of the the franchises that are, uh, or all the OEMs that are, have a franchise model. So yeah, so that's kind of where we're at now.
1: Yeah, and that's really critical to explore because when you talk about a lot of municipal fleets and public sector fleets. The fleet managers don't typically buy a vehicle. They don't buy a vehicle the way that you and I do. They're looking at leasing, specifically a segment of commercial leasing where sometimes you know, they, they depreciate it down to like $1 or $100 or something, and then they buy it and flip it. So there's a lot that needs to go into that, and I think this addresses a lot of the concerns that some of these municipalities have when it comes to switching over to EV. So let's talk about some of those, right? Like what are some of the obstacles to EV adoption in municipalities? Because I think the number one thing that everybody thinks of is cost. The initial cost of an EV is typically higher than a comparable ICE vehicle, but that may not be a real obstacle to municipalities. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure.
0: So, yeah. So just to kind of give some context, we were we were the first finance company to deploy vehicles in a municipal deployment, at least first Tesla vehicles. We did the Hillsborough Area Regional Transit deployment of eight Model Xs to be used around the University in Florida. Anyhow, we we were the first ones to do an actual deployment for EVs in, in the municipal side. And, and it, it's really not I mean yes cost has a lot to do with it but Joe, you know, the, the the main thing here is stigma and and getting out of your what you know you don't want to be the guy that makes the decision to and 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 regrets it later on you know you don't want to look like an idiot in front of everybody at your at your city I mean the the way that a lot of these fleets are operated is they're cannibalizing their their own fleet to you know make franken cars you know, I've I've seen oh, it yeah. you know, time and time again you know there there's there's you, you you know, even especially with PD use, right? Like I mean, PD use, you, you have, you have vehicles, you, you can be in a, in a uh, chase with a, with a perpetrator and, and, you know, they, uh, they're, they're ready to deploy sticks. They're ready to do a, a pit maneuver. And uh, instead of using the brand new shiny Tahoe that they just got that they waited a year for, because everything's backlogged, uh, they bring in the old, uh, the old truck and, 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 you know, switch spots with it to to do it because they know that they can, they can, uh, you know, they don't want to, they don't want to spend the time to replace that new car. So it's really, you know, it's not just the cost, it's how they, manage the fleet i've seen everything from you know uh cities taking removing leather seats to put in cloth seats on, on a on a ford explorer or expedition just to just to make it more more durable for for a an officer with a gun belt to get in rather than scratching up leather and you know they they don't necessarily look at you know, a, a acquisition of vehicles as just a price point. They look at the durability, they look at the, the, you know, how long can they have that car on the road without it going to the shop? If it goes to the shop, how fast can they get it out? What's parts availability, all these factors that go into a really a legacy purchasing procurement model. And so that's, that's somewhat difficult for, You know, municipalities wrap their minds around with when you're talking about cars that, you know, like Tesla, for example, that that are, you know, know, new technology, right? You know, how does the how do the comms interact with the uh, with with what Tesla already has on their screen? is it even you know can you even make these modifications to make it work for their uh, their level of of use you know that's that Tahoe was the biggest one if you you see them all over the country but you know what's what's in California where they're going to to EVs as you know as part of their initiatives it's totally different than what it would be like here in Texas here in Texas you have a lot of old politics that that goes into it as well. If you're you know California it's easy to, to say okay we're gonna we're gonna make a transition to EV right now and support this and this is the direction we're going and everybody knows why. In Texas it's a little bit more controversial and it's a little bit difficult more difficult for that fleet manager to make that that decision to at least pilot let alone make the make a, an entire transition so infrastructure costs application durability you know what is the, what do these vehicles look like in the field you know is there anybody that has data that will support that you know, there's a lot of factors that go into it, and then there's underlying factors like your, your just the overall. How is it looked at from your citizens? You know, if you if you're in rural Texas where the majority of your 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 citizens are are you know true blue oil oil you know oil and gas people, you know, running an EV is probably not going to be looked at as a as a, as a plus just because there's so much stigma there. So there's, okay. I mean.
1: There's stigma and there's cultural relevance too. You know, if your grandfather worked in the oil fields and your father worked in the oil fields and that put a roof over your head and put you through school, you may now know better. You may now know that there's a fossil fuel issue there. You may now know better about emissions and things like that, but that doesn't change the fact that you do probably feel a little bit of loyalty to those people and, and loyalty to that industry that, you know, provided so much for you. And that's a hard stigma to overcome. And, you know, you touch on a really good point there about bravery, and there does, there does seem to be a need for a little bit of bravery to take, be that first person at your municipality, or at your, you know, construction fleet, or at your rental fleet to make that initial purchase and go. Do you feel like there's less hesitance to do that now, and as we approach 2024, than there was 10 years ago when you made the decision to take your company? completely ev because i gotta tell you in 2014 that took some stones man
0: <laughs> it it, it, took, it took some stones and it also it also took some really tough tough months i mean there was there was a lot of ramen i can tell you that I mean, we, <laughs> we, we were, we were, but yeah they, there is there's definitely a, a, a much different uh, approach now because there is some early data out there and on on top of that you know there's just in in the uh, on the ice side it's really difficult to to just order vehicles I mean the, you you put together a Tahoe right now and and it's it's going to take a good eight maybe eight months to over a year to get right so and then on top of that the cost for those has gone up dramatically so you know used to be when municipalities would have their their you know hardline, Uh, number of, say, 60 grand that they need to have all in for a Tahoe, you know, that number right now, because of inflation and, you know, know, parts restrictions and, and, you know, all the, the supply constraint issues, plus the dealers are having, having battles. I mean, all of these things are, are, are driving those costs up. And, you know, the you know, the municipalities have to go back to committee and, and, you know, make, make their arguments to increase those numbers. And really, when you start talking about, you know, getting that number up to say 70 or 80,000 from 60, you know, that that's when it starts opening up the conversation quite a bit. Well, what, you know, so we're going to have 60, 70 grand in vehicle costs, plus upfitting, plus uh, plus everything that we, we need from a service side. And then we're going to have gas on top of that and maintenance on top of that. And then when you if you compare that to, and you know, to a, an EV and if the application for that is, is, you know, 80% of the time sitting right. The vehicle's sitting there. You have an officer in the car and say it's in a PD application. You have, a, you have an officer in the car that's standing by then the majority of their time they're sitting there at idle, you know, you can make a lot better case for an EV at idle than you can an ice car because you're you're the, the you know the, the fuel spend is significantly less so when you start talking you know maintenance fuel upfit all of that EVs definitely become a lot more palatable it's really just comes down to the you know piloting one which really there aren't a whole lot of companies out there that will actually just let a let a municipality pilot one EV, right? And, right. and that's and, and it's and you know, there some of these larger FMCs out there, you know, they, they want large transactions. They're not willing to put the the, the groundwork in to get these larger uh, you know, get some of these municipalities to just understand what it what it is to be in an EV. I mean, we we were at Tesla takeover, and 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 one of our partners, Unplugged Performance, was out there with their Model Y, and, and there was all kinds of people that looking at that vehicle. To it, but there's there, there's only a, there's only one of those, right? So right. It's, it's not like it's not like it's not like you know There's there are a bunch of companies that have these upfitted Teslas or 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 uh, or Machis or whatever that are out there for for municipalities to even review. We took Model S, a Model Y, and a Model 3 to a local PD to get their, just get their feedback on. And, the, you know, what we heard from them was, was that we're going to chew up this vinyl in, in a matter of, of weeks, you know, the seats are the seats are you know way too too soft we need to have something that's a lot, a lot more durable here, which, you know, that's that's an easy solution. Right. You can you can do seat covers. You can do anything else to get to figure that out. But, you know, back then they didn't have the partitions. You had to custom make partitions. You didn't have the weapons, uh, uh, the weapons trays in the back. You didn't have brush grills the comm stuff was really difficult now you have companies like oracle that that are going on record uh, saying that they're going to they're going to start creating some of this stuff that integrates directly with the um, you know with, with the the you know the the screen and uh, that that comes natively to the teslas but you know back then you didn't have any of that so so it makes that even more difficult to make a decision to to go that direction because you know you're going to have to fabricate and 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 try to you know kind of do a custom custom approach to something where historically, you know, you you, you have a, a fleet pool that you order from and you just know you just click check the boxes and know everything that you want on that vehicle and it and it and you know it comes to you when it comes to you. So right. this is totally different. And when you're talking about with Tesla with their direct to consumer model, you didn't necessarily have a whole lot of support because they're focusing on consumers right not not the fleet application
1: well and that's that's a really interesting course right because when you work with the dealer and you're on the equipment side and you're on the management side there is that upfitting phase where you have typically you have a couple of trusted vendors and suppliers that have some kind of relationship with you and especially if you're in a dealership position you've got your financing going where they kind of automatically approve that addition where it can go above the book value sometimes you're talking about you know 50 60 or 100 percent of the price of the vehicle that goes into upfitting and these are real challenges to get the finance company to look beyond the book value and get that bought when you talk about leasing and you know especially then not to put you on the spot because i know you're in a commercial leasing background But when you talk about leasing some of these vehicles, whether it's for a college campus, whether it's for, you know, now we've got the Ford Lightning, we've got the Ford or the uh, Tesla Cybertruck coming to market soon, we've got the Silverado coming to market soon. There's going to be upfitting of those trucks, there's going to be utility beds, maybe even tow bodies put on these. How are those companies set up to support EVs? You know, especially when you look at even some of the basic stuff, like a lot of this stuff is 12 volt wiring and these EVs are 400 volt or 800 volt systems. You know, are are the companies out there ready for this and are the ones that are ready for this doing something that can be supported by a leasing program or or a financing program or, or, or you know, basically is the municipality just going to have to bite the bullet and buy the upfitting cost? Hello clean tech enthusiasts. If you enjoy Clean Tech Talk and Clean Technica, please consider pitching in a few dollars a month at cleantechnica.com/support. That's cleantechnica.com/support. Where you can sign up in seconds with a credit card, pitch in a few dollars a month or whatever you like. Some people actually contribute 100 dollars a month to help us cover climate change and clean tech and try to help the world one word at a time. Thank you
0: so so yeah so great great questions i mean the, really to date the the majority of the upfitters out there are you know I, do you, okay this I, i'm going to go back in time to like when lordstown was 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 a thing so lordstown you know lordstown's deal which you know it it made a ton of sense is that they were building these on a chassis that you would be able to to use beds utility beds from Silverado, right? It was on right. based on a Silverado platform, so super smart idea. Didn't happen, obviously, but it would it made sense, right? You could go out there and get you could get a service body, you could get a stake body, as you know, you could do things that that or stake bed. You could get things that that were already kind of prefab, ready to go, bolt on, and and put it and put it to work, right? With other vehicles out there that are not built like that, it's a challenge, right? I mean, yes, there are companies like Sena that that have yeah, prefab, yeah, prefab, you know, stuff like you know bumpers and and partitions and things like that, and they're working on on building and uh, that stuff more and more. But really, it's it. There's nothing available in in volume right now when it comes to, when it comes to outfitting and that, and that is, you know, definitely something that needs to be overcome. What, what happens in this scenario is, is you have companies like unplugged that, that create a model. They, they can replicate that model uh, with their partners and, and, and then a lot of their stuff they do in-house. And once they, once they, that happens, the onboarding process for the municipalities is one step of, of that process. They need to source out uh, and, and make sure that unplugged is quote unquote, sole source. Right. So you you shop others, they shop others to make sure that they have three bids and, and competing bids. And then they make the decision from that point. Yeah. You're talking, you know, 50, 60 grand, sometimes higher than the cost of the car and upfit depending on where they go. That model is scalable and as others work towards that it it will eventually come through right now it's it, you know the the problem is definitely bigger than than the solution currently but as far as the financing goes we're we I mean us and, and and our competitors are set up to to finance the 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 vehicle the build the infrastructure everything so so we're way ahead of the game we're waiting on everybody else to catch up we we can do 150% advance. We can do we can do structures that include the charging infrastructure. So you can you can do a say like a a five-year purchase on the asset with the upfit plus the infrastructure on a separate term. So there's all kinds of ways that we can yeah, you know, we can finance this. That that's not the that's not the problem. The problem is is getting these fleet managers to understand that how much long-term value there is in going EV versus ICE, you know, to be able to have companies that, like, like recently Rivian just announced that, that their exclusivity is, is up with Amazon huge deal, right? That's right. That means Rivian can sell vans to mom and pop uh, commercial applications, even though these things are you know right around 200 miles of range, it's still from a long-term strategy makes a ton of sense, and I think that's really where the transition needs to start. Is that people need to stop looking at at least on, on the commercial side, need to stop looking at vehicles as a you know three three to five year cannibalize what you can get out and, to, and put it in in the fleet and, and ride that thing to the dump. They need to start looking at EVs as a seven, eight, nine year strategy, uh, which is different than what they're used to.
1: Right. And we've seen now from Ravel and from some of these other like Canadian taxi companies, we've seen now quarter million mile, 300,000 mile Teslas out there in the field. You know, we've had, we're now talking about it's 2023 the Toyota Prius, which I think a lot of people would say is the first modern electrified vehicle came out in 1998. And there's still a couple hundred, according to the registration records, there's still a couple hundred of those 1998 Priuses Prii, driving around. So we do know that these things last. I don't think we need to be that scary about it. I wanted to ask you two things as you were talking, You you mentioned the infrastructure funding, and that's one that As soon as you said it, my, I don't know if you saw the light bulb go on over my head, but yeah, that is a significant obstacle to municipal fleets because they're used to being able to just gas up on a company credit card or on a municipal credit card and then bring that vehicle into the depot at night and be done with it till the end of the day or till the next day. And the idea that they would want to have access to on-site charging so they could plug in overnight, make it sure it's ready for that next shift, is not something I had totally thought of. So I'm glad you brought that up. And I want to speak to that and some of the obstacles around that in just a second. But I also want to talk about, there's a a guy I follow on LinkedIn. He's very well respected. A lot of the dealer groups follow him. He goes under the name of car dealership guy. And he writes all these stories about you know different sales trends and forecasting models and things like that. And the story of the last I want to say five to six weeks. And it's very underreported is that a lot of companies like Capital One, like Wells Fargo, well-known companies are backing out of the secondary and, and even not only just secondary, but even the, the near prime auto market, you know, that's 600, that's six, let's call it 650 to 720 credit rating range where they're backing out of that and saying, yeah, we're not going to, we're not going to support this in terms of funding. Does leasing, commercial leasing work on, you know, in a, in a different way than consumer lending? Because if the consumer lending pools are drying up, I have to imagine that affects commercial in some way.
0: It does, you know, but the, you know, if you look at the, if you, historically, if you look at the way that that some of these consumer banks, you know, come in and come out of, of the the leasing and finance space, you know the majority of the time is you know like, like last time it happened was 08 right i mean they lumped in <laughs> consumer leasing with, yeah, exactly uh, right. with with mortgage and and so that was which I, I don't know why i mean it doesn't make really doesn't really make sense but i mean everybody needs a car right i mean so to me like that that it, it happened and so what at that point you know you had a bunch of banks get out of Consumer uh, consumer leasing, and and then we were kind of left, you know, trying to f- pick up the pieces and figure out, hey, how do we do this? And a lot, of, a lot, we, a lot of us partnered with credit unions and 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 put programs together to help drive membership and things like that. We always get creative and find a solution. It just takes a minute to do it, but really, when it when you start talking about what's happening now, which you know, these banks are are worried about what's going to happen in the next 12 months and putting out 72, 84 month financing agreements is not necessarily the the the, the you know, the thing that they want to do. So, That's so right. you know, they're they're trying to figure out they're trying to figure out for right now. And, I you know, when you start talking about, you know, whether it's municipality or 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 private sector, you know does it make it a lot more challenging for the 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 mom and pop shop that that has been in business for 50 plus years and and really is doing this to to reduce their overall expense yeah it does Uh, when you talk about you know municipalities and people that are that are government funded and state and state funded and and you know and then larger Fortune 500 companies, they're always going to have access to capital, and it's and it's you know that's not going to change. The cost of capital may change, but they're 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 prepared for that too. At least at least the ones that that you would expect to be, you know. But I would say like yeah, when it comes to like the the, it, does it make it more challenging for small business owners? It does, it, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's it's impossible either. You're seeing the ones that are getting approved or, you know, have five years time in business, have more, you know, have you know fixed charge coverage of uh, four to ones, so they have they have at least four times uh, the capital uh, compared to their ask in uh, available, and they have uh, and they're cash flowing. Everybody's cash flow sensitive right now, so yes. that's the biggest thing. If you're, if you have a history of, of, of making payments on time, you know, that's great, you know, but the main thing is that knowing that you can cash flow and, and that you can cash flow in the event that another COVID happens. So, you know, it, there's just, there's a lot of variables out there and it makes it super challenging, uh, especially for, uh, for us, because, you know, we don't hold all of our paper. We, we look at it, we, we sell the majority of it off. We just haven't grown big enough to be able to, to, to take on all of it and and put it all on our books. But, you know, eventually when that happens, there's so many, so many deals that should be deals that aren't getting bought right now that, uh, that, you know, three, four years from now, there'll, there'll
1: be a, there'll be a solution for it. You make a really good point about there's a lot of deals right now that should be bought that aren't getting bought. And it's very confusing. I was talking to a guy here at one of the uh, local Chicago Harley stores, and he's got guys that are in there with 680 Beacon scores. They have a paid off car. They have you know 11, 12 years at the residence. They're paying their mortgage all the way on time. But for whatever reason, they're not hitting that debt to income and they're getting denied credit. And it's like, This is the guy that you want. (laughs) This is the guy that is like, he's stable. He's not going anywhere. What are you talking about? So there's absolutely, um, it seems to be a disconnect there. You know, I I hear everything that we're talking about. And, you know, we keep going back to Tesla because that's obviously been the elephant in the room. But as we start to see more work trucks come in and we're starting to see now, You know, whether it's from uh, Bobcat, whether it's from Volvo, uh, they just literally this morning announced uh, Hyundai was doing a compact excavator that was electric. Is your expertise in EVs, do you think that's going to translate to more heavy equipment, construction, evac type contractor fleets? Which, which again, a lot of universities and, and municipalities do have fleets like that is that going to translate over or it's a different animal?
0: So, so for us, you know, our, our, our capital partners are, are, you know, I would say at this point that we have some that are saying we trust Tesla and Tesla only for right now. And that's sure. what we, and that's what we're going to stay. And then we have others that say we want it all right. And then we have some that say we, we want none of it. And so it's, it's, it, you know, we what we do is we build out a matrix of lending partners that, and and continue to educate them. They may not be in on it now, but they may be in on it later. For us, I mean, yeah, we want we want all of it. We want we want the semi. We want side. Cy- I mean, Cybertruck. We've been salivating. Uh, over since 2019 November when we were there you know uh, watching uh, the, the launch
1: oh I tried but, to put my order in while it was still on I was like go 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 but
0: I I literally I literally put I put my order in on the cab ride over to the to the event so it that's was awesome I was like I, before I even saw it like I was I, and then I saw it I was like oh my god it's hideous I want I want a lot of them give me all of them <laughs> so so it was uh so yeah so so to be honest there's there's you know the over the road stuff is is fantastic right i mean i yeah. i think that's that's the next thing we want to be part of it we're getting educated we're getting more educated about it you know i think the you know the the big captives that are out there that are that are you know really needing to be there for these larger companies uh, the mitsubishi the the the, you know, Peterbilt's, all of these companies, international, all these, anybody that has a captive right now, they, they need to, to, they need to stand up these products because if they don't do that, then what's going to happen is for independents like us that are also trying to to help. And it's going to, it's going to make it more challenging if they don't, if, if all of a sudden they're, they're, they're not, you know, they're not, backstopping their own product for, uh, internally then that's going to create a lot of problems but we what we see from a technology standpoint is is that the in, in a lot of cases the technology sound the the, the ranges uh, you know issues are being solved there's a lot of there's a lot of 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 uh, positive things that are coming out of the the you know not just the over the road stuff but some of the other uh the other stuff i we're not we probably won't play in like the you know, the small ticket stuff, like the 15, 20,000, you know, forklift type stuff. That's not really our, 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 we, we kind of start in the, in the 50 range, but yeah, we would love to have all of that. If, if the other, if the other
1: partners
0: uh, were, were up to it.
1: Yeah. And it's funny that you put that on there because that does seem to be an issue. You know, like I have, we have, my wife's family has a little hobby farm up in Wisconsin. We have a couple of you know tractors and things like that. And it seems like the big tractors, the big deers, cub cadets, things like that, you can always get some kind of, you know, crazy financing deal on them. But then you get into the smaller stuff, you get into like, you know, the Kawasaki mules, the little, uh, I I love those, the four by six, the six by six gator is like my favorite vehicle in the world. And, you know, those are a little bit smaller. You're going to kind of have to write a check for those (laughs)
0: pretty much yeah i mean who wants to repo that right i mean that's not oh that's yeah not by a, the time not,
1: you have to go get it it's already destroyed <laughs>
0: yeah yeah nobody wants to repo that yeah we and that's the thing is like and, and that's the only way that we've able have been able to been uh, be su- somewhat successful is that we've kept a a a near zero loss uh, loss ratio default ratio and we, so we're, we're very selective on our, you know, on our applicants, but at the same time, you know, it's, we're proving a lot uh, to these larger lenders, uh, by having these, these, you know, vehicles on our books that are, you know, I mean, some of these cars, one of our, one of our first commercial customers was a company out of Vegas that did, um. That did, uh, 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 you know, drove from L.A. to Palm Springs, L.A. to Vegas, L.A. to San Diego. Test Loop was their name, and they they, you know, oh, yeah, they, they did a lot. Great. They were yeah, they did half a million miles on their cars. So they and they created white papers and things that that these other lenders could could look at, you know, to to understand the collateral. But I think it's. I think it's less of a collateral issue now than it is a credit issue. Back in the day, it started that we're, that all the calls were just credit calls, meaning that they really didn't look at the collateral at all. They just looked to see the applicant and if the applicant was uh, was was worthy of a, of approval of that amount. And nowadays, uh, the collateral is is a um, is a question mark on for some lenders, and and it's a and then it's a green light or a red light for others. So, but I think eventually, you know, the, the collateral side won't, won't be a question anymore. I mean, there's certainly some out there, like, could you imagine if you, if, if Faraday delivered one and, and, you know, you had that one Faraday that was, uh, that was out there and, yeah, <laughs> and, and you had to sell it, like, where would you sell it? Like, how are you going to sell it if you're a bank?
1: yeah well and that happened to some people right like it wasn't even that long ago i mean i guess it was that long ago because i'm old but it doesn't feel like that long ago when we had daewoo that came into the market in the late 90s early 2000s there was a a korean brand that came in and uh you know there, there was a couple of brands that have have come and gone since then and uh yeah that's a real issue because you start spending you start lending on some of these things then they go away Just think of Suzuki. Suzuki was a huge brand. Daihatsu. They were everywhere in the eighties and now. yeah, yeah. yeah. Great examples, all of them. So this is all, this is all really great stuff, man. And, and, and thank you for doing this. I know this is outside of our usual conversation zone, but when I got to know you a little bit better uh, after talking to you about the EV battery warranty and stuff, I knew that you could, uh, you could help us talk about this stuff. So. We're coming to the end of our time commitment here. Obviously, for people who are listening to this, you want to find out more about what KJ is doing over at Accelerate. You want to, uh, you know, direct some of the people at your whether it's your school district talking about electric school buses, or whether it's your, you know, local police and fire rescue people looking for additional fleet vehicles and trying to understand. How to overcome the obstacles needed to uh, convert that to EVs? Definitely reach out to KJ. Find him on LinkedIn, social media. You got a TikTok too, right? You do a lot of the bikini dancing.
0: I do, I do, I, I do that on Thursdays. That's my it's my alternate uh, alternate job.
1: Yeah. Well, that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> there. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was not yeah, expecting no. you to roll with that, man. I had nothing back. I did I, had-
0: I did roll with it. I did it just I did it just for you. And, then, <laughs> and all of a sudden, the search the search on our our TikTok users just went up. Yes. or down. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't it it well, can't be less than what it is now.
1: I don't. Think. I, I was gonna say, do you want it to go up? <laughs> not not with that ki- Not with those kind of followers. Not for that. <laughs> all right, man. Well, listen. You know you you've been you've been kind enough to come on the show and talk to us a little bit. What do you guys have coming up in the future? How can we uh, help support what you're doing,
0: man? We are we are beyond stoked for Cybertruck. Uh, I mean, we 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 know that it's been a long time coming, but we have we, we have done uh, so much stuff on the back end in preparation of Cybertruck for small fleet for uh, for small business owners, upfitting, financing those vehicles with upfits. I mean, we're in Texas. We have if you have ever seen. Uh, the, you know, the new, well, Fury Road, uh, Mad Max Fury yeah, Road. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that that's like, that's Texas, that's Texas on uh, Dallas and Highway 75 is what you see with roofers and their trucks. So once the Cybertruck hits the, hits the market in Texas, you're going to see roofers throwing, you know, 50, 60 grand out of Cybertruck to, to, to make it, uh, make it their, their write-off. So we're, we, we, you we think love That's that going to
1: happen though. Do you really, when you look at the Cybertruck and this is off topic, this is totally off topic. Do yeah. you really foresee a large upfitter market for the Cybertruck?
0: Yes, absolutely. Wow. Okay. Absolutely. Here's, here's, here's why, here's why obviously it's polarizing, right? So from a branding perspective, you can, you can wrap that thing uh, easily. So uh, obviously Tesla's doing wraps, right. Right. But as a commercial, as a commercial wrap for advertising, what can be more polarizing than a Cybertruck, you know, advertising your, your HVAC company or, or like your electrician or small mom and pop plumbers. Like this is something that 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 just screams, look at me, right? So, yes. just from a marketing perspective, that makes sense. When you're talking about actual upfitting, like you're doing, you know, ladder racks, you know, toolboxes, you know, anything that would be considered for work use, light upfits, yes, crazy, crazy stuff. You're going to see so much. I j- the custom custom market for Cybertrucks is going to go ballistic. I I think it's going to be similar to what Jeep Wrangler was when uh when people started modding their jeeps yeah but there's gonna be a lot more futuristic builds i mean we're just just for just for guilty pleasures we're gonna build a a lunar lander version ourselves that's awesome just just have something that's that i mean so obviously starlink will be in in it you'll 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 have i mean there's 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 cyberlander that company that does those uh, that does the 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 uh, lift up uh lift up pop-up uh campers there's
1: yeah uh, that I they've mean, done all their r figure- d on a without a production vehicle yet I'm, I'm sure no, production vehicle just fi- yeah that's yeah. gonna fit just fine
0: I think they figured it out now I think they I, I actually we talked to them and I think they're they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna know what they're doing here pretty soon they've got it designed in a way that that they can be somewhat flexible when uh once the actual uh you know cad drawings come out uh, they should be able to dial in pretty quick. So I think they'll be good. There's other, other companies that are out there, uh, you know, like, like Lightship RV. So you're going to see people yeah. that are going to want to want to tow their light ship with, with a uh, cyber truck. I think, I think it's going to, it's, it's going to go ballistic, especially here in Texas. I think Texas will jump it off uh, more than anybody because we just, our roofers are insane. I mean, I don't know if you've, you've ever driven in Texas a lot, but I mean there the standard for lifted trucks here is is a 6 inch lift with 37s.
1: So right, if you're if you've it, got it, 35s on a 2 inch lift, that's not even that they don't even look at you. They don't even look at you. Right. So so something with so there's
0: there that that standard with a Cybertruck, if you can do it, if it's not incredibly difficult and and Tesla, you know, designs it in a way that you can lift it and do and do things that are, you know, that are a little bit more personal. It's going to go nuts, and, yeah. I, and I think Tesla does that. That's why they, that, you know, according to to sources, they have their own internal aftermarket team that's that's building things for it. But I think you're going to find people that are that are going uh, going nuts with them.
1: Yeah, for sure. I I will tell you this. I think the demand for the Cybertruck is so, and I and I'm going to use this word, and I don't mean this in a negative connotation. I just mean this like to say different. The demand for the Cybertruck is so unlike anything else. It, it, it's not vehicle demand, it, it's something else. It's some kind of pop icon, cultural iconic thing that people want. Right now, I can drive you to a shop in Tucson, and uh, I, I don't want to name them, or I probably will even edit out that they're Tucson. I, I can drive you to a shop where two guys that I know are eagerly awaiting the delivery of their cyber trucks so they can pull the steel body off and lower it onto a rock crawler that they've already built. That's a diesel powered rock crawler waiting for their cyber truck bodies. They do not care about the rest of it. They just want that stainless steel body. And that is unusual. I don't know what they're going to do with the rest of it. Uh, They're probably going to build some kind of street rod, hot rod deal. These guys uh, I've known from the, the, hot rod days and uh they've built some wild wild stuff over the years if, if i name drop them i'm sure they'd be livid because they're going to take these things to SEMA. yeah I know who
0: you that are that reminds man. me of that reminds me of uh of local motors when they did that rally fighter exactly right
1: exactly right like that local motors really had they were 10 years ahead of their time if they had come out today and they were building yeah. on an EV platform and they said, here's these batteries, here's these EVs and made it that much easier, which which we can do with electrification a way that we couldn't do with internal combustion. I, I think they would I think they would really take off in, in a way that they did not uh, 10 years ago.
0: Yeah, I agree, man. I, there's so many companies. And I, I, you know what? I think this is probably the, the the biggest thing that I would I would emphasize for when it comes to whether or not it will it will work or not whether this transition will work from a commercial perspective as you know advocates as people as you know just people that are trying to help the mission it's talking talking as much crap as we do about other ev oems it's we we kind of are used to it by now yeah but we're not helping we're not, we're, we're not helping anything, right? Like, I mean, it's, it's certainly like we want somebody, we want another Tesla to come out dearly and, and compete, but we are, we, we make it really challenging for, uh for others, just from the banter uh, side of it. Like it's even with Rivian, right? Like Rivian, you know, for the, for the longest time was, was just looked at as, as, you know, you know, are we ever going to see any vehicles from them? And now, I mean, I don't, we have I I can't I can't drive to work without seeing Rivian uh, Amazon delivery van. It's it, they're yeah. everywhere.
1: Yeah, and, we have the so um the R1S the SUV one is like taking over the street parking here in Oak Park. It's crazy. I
0: just got I just got one. I took delivery of it a couple of weeks ago. I love it.
1: And really? It's
0: not and and I and I and I was dead set against it. And 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 I ordered it for my wife and it took 2 years to get. But I I got it and I and I Freaking love it. And, and I don't, I love the fact that it feels like a, a, a like a car that shouldn't be an EV, right. It right. feels like uh, it has a, like a Rover. It doesn't have that crazy Falcon wing door thing that, that, you know, my kids either love or hate depending on the day. It, it's, it's just a, it's just a, a solid vehicle, but it's, there's a lot of growth that needs to happen for them too. But I just feel like, like in order for all this to happen, we got to start loving all of, all these people like all these companies that are pushing it like we've got to start supporting them a little bit more i don't know all, man. there's enough there's enough haters out there and like i i feel it internally like i'm telling myself too like i need to do it because i've i i'm the worst at it i will bag on a company if, if they come out with something something dumb and if they're not thinking about it like i i'm the worst critic out there but yeah. i i feel like i'm i i need to change that internally in order for this thing to work collectively
1: yeah i don't know man i'm i'm always a believer in the idea that the beatles wouldn't be the beatles and the stones wouldn't be the stones if they weren't trying to push each other forward you know ford never would have been ferrari if they didn't have the rivalry with chevy to to start the whole thing off so uh, i i don't know i think if we can get some real investment from like the normals to like really latch onto a brand even if they just hate it right even if they just Like, I'm going to buy an EV, but it's got to be something other than Tesla because I don't like Elmo, right? Like, whatever it is, we need to get some kind of, like, cultural thing going. Because if you remember, in the 1940s, car ownership was still not something that Americans were all about. We still only had one car and the missus took the bus or drove to work or whatever it was. That's why, you know, the bus strikes were so effective and things like that in in Selma in the 60s uh, to progress their cause. But if you look at what came from that rivalry, what of making your automotive choice an identity choice? I mean, that's what marketing has been, that's what all marketers have been trying to do since the 50s, right? Like, you wanna be, are you a Ford guy or a Chevy guy? Are you a Pepsi guy or a Coke guy? We don't wanna talk about the fact that these are basically the same product that meet the same needs. We wanna talk about what that choice means for you culturally and societally. And I have to say, you're a bigger man than I thought, because I would have thought you had gone to your grave driving only Teslas. So good for you, man! Way to make that leap. Hey, <laughs> I, I,
0: you know, I, I will say that that there's there's certainly things that I miss, uh, you, know, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, but 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 I do like the the vehicles themselves, and I think they're they're, they're they will get there one day with somebody. Somebody will if if they have a, you know, more more down down months down quarters. Somebody will will invest to get get them all the way there. They're closer than than I expected.
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, man. Well, KJ, I, I would love to keep talking to you, brother. I know we've got yeah, yeah. You know, we both got stuff to do.
0: Yeah, anytime, man. We're we're we're. Uh, I, I love chopping it up. I think that's kind of what's necessary. I think I find a lot of the stuff that's out there is like like super educational, and it's not hit. I don't find like it hits mainstream enough. So I think talking shit a little bit is is necessary. That. You know, especially when you're, especially when like, that's the reason why people aren't buying Teslas or buying EVs is because they think it's just a nerd grab and it's, it's really not. I think if they, every time I get somebody in there, that's a buddy of mine that that has zero desire to, to, uh, to look at an EV, they, they go, oh, well, this makes a ton of sense. So it's just like getting average people to understand, you know, where technology is nowadays, rather, rather than having to, you know, put on the the propeller and and jump down the wormhole. It's it's, having regular conversation means a lot. Exactly right. All right, brother. Thanks so much. Do do the same. Take care. See you.
1: Thank you for listening to Clean Tech Talk.
0: Join us next time to get your electric fix.